friend of ours created a post recently of like, what is our take on virtual sober spaces? And I was genuinely shocked by the amount of people that I really know and respect reacting really angrily about the fact that people might need sober spaces. I missed this thread. It was on um, the Troll 2 um, like creative oh, space site. Interesting. I did not read much of that because I did see like a single person who I love and respect like trash talking the idea. And I was like, cool, not reading the comments. YouTube rules. <laughs> so I'll, I yeah. think the person that you're referring to did actually post a, an interesting reason for why they are opposed. That mm. was probably the only reason that could have convinced me it didn't. Okay. That we didn't need it, but that could have. And it was that they believe that the exclusivity factor is like what is detrimental to it. Mm. That's why it exists. Though. Yes. And I agree. <laughs> <laughs> but like, so it's I actually think the reverse. That is the reason we are having it. <laughs> the point that they made though, was that typically in, I mean, speaking for like shows that in spaces that we go to, our goals are typically to, make bigots or oppressors unwelcome and addicts aren't oppressors it's not entirely mm. their fault yeah. that they are excluded you know but then that's a very interesting like paradox in a way because mm-hmm. it's a space that is created to be inclusive but by being inclusive to a certain set of people is then by definition exclusive here's something too that we haven't talked about this whole time that i experienced running shows as well uh, sober spaces is that I, I don't know if anyone else agrees with this, but there have been many times running a sober space where there is somebody who is drinking alcohol and I'm completely aware that they're drinking alcohol. They're being completely discreet. They're being respectful. They're chill. They're not drunk. They just have a little bit of booze and they're being mm-hmm. cool about it. And I'm not being a dick, so I'm not kicking them out. And it's just a silent agreement. Yep. Where like that totally happens. And like, I, I don't think that's hypocritical. Like, I don't know, man, it's a respect thing, you know? And like, sometimes that happens. And like an interesting part of this discussion is how do you handle it when you're running a sober space and somebody breaks that rule on purpose? Mm -hmm. And this, cause this is, I think a really big part of whether or not a sober space is good or bad, because it's like the, it's like the straight edge versus sober debate and not, not how critique described being straight edge, which was like a healthy and positive view on being straight edge. But there's kind of another cultural part of that or social part of that where it's more political to some people or militants or something. And it's kind of like that where like, if you were a sober space that ostracized and like punched a guy in the face and threw them out on the sidewalk because they had a beer. Now sober spaces are bad. If you (laughs) bully somebody and ostracize them because they're high it's like get the fuck out like that's also bad you know what i mean but i don't know i guess like it's an it's an interesting point but i think it's kind of also about questioning on an individual basis who are we trying to benefit why are we doing this and Mm -hmm. who are we excluding and when do we exclude them Mm -hmm. because the idea is we're excluding not a person but we're excluding alcohol or or drugs but by doing that you know there are people excluded that are not willing to participate in a sober event. And I've, I've been in that position before too. And I've just kind of looked around and gone like, well, no one here is in recovery. And the person who just showed up with booze was not aware that it was a sober space. And yeah. there are like seven people here. So whatever. 
Right. And so <laughs> yeah. it, it, it kind of can be just like a case by case thing in that instance. And if somebody shows up with, you know, like a, a few beers and I know I don't get the sense that they're like planning on getting drunk, um, but just kind of enjoying themselves with a little alcohol, then who am I to then like, I, again, like it was a liability issue. Yeah. But yeah. if I have no reason to believe that it's going to really take a downturn, am I then going to in all, in all earnestness, be the gatekeeper and say, like, I know you expected your night to go a certain way, but it's not going to go that way. You know, <laughs> I think oh, a, big, a big like no, no for me is if a person shows up and is giving out alcohol or substances yeah. to other yeah. people. That's very yeah. different. Yeah. 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 Although that would be true of a lot of bars, too. Granted, they're doing it to avoid the um, profit losses. But like, I think that's an important thing about like, that's why I mentioned like politicizing this stuff earlier is like. I like what Brian said about you're excluding the behavior, you know, you're not excluding the person. So it's Mm. like that becomes a completely different issue where like you don't need to politicize it and it wouldn't be politicizing it by sort of going up to a guy who's actively dealing drugs in your venue and saying, hey, (laughs) what the hell? Um, Because I always looked at this shit as like, why is it any different from like a vegetarian restaurant or something? Like Mm -hmm. you're not condemning all meat eaters if you go to Veggie Galaxy. You're just going to Veggie (sighs) Galaxy and this is what's on the menu and as a vegetarian, I'm like, great, all right, I don't have to say, can you put the gravy on the side? That's right. the only difference. I'm not going there and saying, oh, shit, a cow eater just walked in. Go out there and get him. Like, that's, yeah. it would sound insane. So why is it any different? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why the hell is it any different? Like, if I go to the puzzle factory, like, let's say I wasn't sober, too. If I went to the puzzle factory and I was told, oh, yeah, they, they aren't, like, serving booze in there, I'd be like, okay, I don't bring my booze in or I don't buy booze when I'm in there. It's not such an integral part of my identity that I feel like I am personally excluded because I can't drink a fifth of vodka in there. You know, like that's a separate issue to me than just if I feel like you're excluding me because I can't have booze in there, that's a me problem. That's not a sober spaces problem. That's a, you might be an alcoholic problem. So I feel like those disambiguations have to be made around this issue and, and haven't been yet really. Yeah. Cause that's, it raises another interesting, like a really important point too, is that you can drink ev- everywhere. Yeah. All day. If people are, and it's like when people give a sober space shit, they're doing it. It's just like, you're telling me that I can't drink here when I can drink literally everywhere else. That is the heart of their, that is usually the heart of their reasoning. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think it definitely provides a, like a sober space provides more inclusivity than exclusivity. Like, Obviously, more people are sober, feel more welcome there. But also, it opens up that you can have more all ages. It's a safer environment for yeah. people that are starting also. out and can development yeah. and learn from their like role models because there's no alcohol in the area. I think actually to that point, like all ages shows, I think it's not so much about providing more or less exclusivity or more or less inclusivity. I think it's more about including people who aren't usually included. Yeah, it's just like, and it's like, you know, and it's just, and it's just like, yeah, you know what? Sober spaces are great because, like, maybe my sixteen-year-old cousin really, really likes this band. Yeah. Yeah. Why the heck shouldn't they have fun? It's kind of just interesting to me that we even have to name them. You know, like, why the hell aren't they just spaces? (laughs) (laughs) Like, why isn't it just a club? Like, club implies drinking just inherently. Like, you assume that it has booze. So a sober Mm. space has to be the aberration. And I wonder if like, you know, again, in the future, like as generational attitudes kind of become more 
more solid and they're not like we're not constantly pushing up against the old ways like will venues just have this one kind of variant that can happen we should like rename it instead of like so like club is a place where you drink like maybe like a spade the sober space yeah you know what is something that was so interesting to bring up sorry to derail your point every there wasn't a point yeah uh, yeah. (laughs) um but there was this fucking venue that i went to a couple years ago uh on tour in pennsylvania i think you've been there debris the owl hollow i love that place Yeah. yeah so this place is a mostly outdoor venue blah 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 whatever but they do this fucking really interesting thing where they have the alcohol section yeah. of the space <laughs> where there's this literally like chicken wire fenced in area <laughs> at the top of the hill yeah is it called like, like drunk jail or something yeah, like that and it's literally you have <laughs> if you jail. have alcohol or you're drinking you have to be up there in the in the fences and it was like the funniest <laughs> thing because it was like this little little prison for all of the alcohol consumers i guess oh, yeah, last time i was there they just gave them all laughing equipment it was awesome yeah so it was essentially it's kind of an, a really interesting gray area to what we're talking about where there was it was a sober space and a and a not sober space huh which was kind of kind of profound actually because if maybe if a space was big enough there could kind of like how there's smoking sections yeah, yeah. this is a weird this is a weird uh, way of thinking about it now that I, well, I am thinking about it like this but I think oh. that only works because people there were reasonable people. It's like if you tell someone yeah. out, like, okay, you got to go to drunk jail. We don't want you around other people while you're drinking. They'd right. Or it would, it would suck too if like all of your friends were up there and you weren't also. I would probably, if I went to the, a place like that, I'd probably be sober hanging out in the drunk area. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> everybody I knew was up there or something. <laughs> yep. I love the idea of putting drunk jail on the top of a hill too. Yeah. When you try to leave drunk jail, like, there's a lot of recidivism in that. It was a pretty steep hill too. It was in, oh yeah, no, I, I think I know the hill. Last time I was there, and the mud. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's Pittsburgh. That's Pittsburgh. See, okay, here when I'm picturing that, I'm picturing all the noise from the crowd coming from one area. And this yeah. is something that we haven't brought up yet, is that like True. in a lot of non-sober spaces, uh, personally, the reason that I'm not a fan of playing in bars is because it's not a listening room, it, usually. Yeah. Um, it, there's too much noise to play over. You feel like you're competing for attention, that kind of thing. And I just feel like this is also because I play sad folk music. So right. it, <laughs> it requires a little bit of silence and it requires like some, some volume dynamics in the room that don't exist when there are loud drunkards um, screaming at the top of their lungs. So something we haven't talked about is just like there's a sort of cacophony that you can expect in non-sober spaces uh, that you kind of want to get away from. And why is noise so acceptable, I guess, is the question. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because it keeps people from being alone with their own thoughts. Well, and like, I don't have selective hearing, like, like a loud din in a room really, really bothers me. And I hate having to raise my voice to have a conversation. So these are all facets of this too, for me, like certain frequencies really bother me. And also like a loud, you know, the cacophonous roar Mm. of collective conversation. 
is is troublesome. So yeah, I'm like that too. I can't pick out one conversation. Like if I'm talking to someone and like five of the people are talking behind me, like I'm hearing them as well as my conversation. Yeah, yeah. I can't separate them. Yeah, and it's impossible. So <laughs> not that that doesn't happen at sober spaces, but I feel like it's just it's more common at bars. It's I remember going to trivia nights all the time and like couldn't hear myself think. <laughs> and uh yeah so well, i think it's just the fact that the people who are at sober shows are there to listen to the music it's awesome to talk yeah. to other people and like socialize but the main reason there everyone wants to experience this performance but that also begs the question is that performance like i was thinking a, a few minutes ago about like from my perspective, this is about shared experience. Mm -hmm. And if you are replacing the shared experience that is uh, uh, sharing drinks together with sharing a listening experience together, does it hold the same value? Does it hold the same social value? Does it hold the same monetary value? Because we were talking about like, how do we get these spaces to sustain without selling a commodity or without selling alcohol? I mean, to me, it holds more value. Like, I, it still haunts me the fact that I lost some friends when I stopped drinking. Like, it bothers yeah, the hell absolutely. out of me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but the fact that I was able to find people through Chess Company and other means that I'm friends with because we have common interests, not just that we like getting lit, is the most important thing that's happened to me since getting sober. Yeah. yeah. I want to build off of Devry's point, too, because... Um, I'm kind of, I guess I wouldn't say that I prefer playing at sober spaces, but I will say one of the places that I've enjoyed playing at the most out of like all the past few years I've been doing that I've been being a musician has been a sober space. And it's been the chess company because hey. like you, Joel, I've really ever since I, you know, like really cut back and then stopped drinking, I became really hyper aware of just like, oh, man, like all the places that people, you know, drink and where that's part of the shared experience. And I think the chess company, like to this day, it is the only place that not only was it, you know, just like a sober space. So I felt, you know, I like, I didn't feel weird because I was not drinking. I had fun because I was not drinking. I was enjoying myself immensely. I was having fun with people. I felt like I was actually part of a community. Right. And that almost never happens to me because like most of the time like most of the places that a lot of people i know go to alcohol is part of the community and so this you know and just like the chess company again like it wasn't just sober it was sober and it was joyful and it was fun yeah and i think a big reason why that it was so like you said joyful fun and sober is the fact that it was a sober space it is a sober space but that's not the only part of it. Like, so it's not just a bunch of people there talking totally. about how they're sober. It's not an AA place. It's just yeah. a place where people can come and not drink. And whether they drink outside of there or not, like, it's just, you don't even know. Like, I didn't, I didn't know that you were sober fatigue. I had no idea. I actually awesome, didn't either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, we've been going to the same space that is a sober space for a year or two now. It just never occurred to me that you were sober. And I don't know if you knew that I was. We've never talked about this in my life. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I, I, Yeah. <laughs> Part of the reason that, like, I appreciate, like, having so, you know, the, having that at the forefront of the conversation because it's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, it's a it is a point to connect with people. But mm -hmm. at the same time, like the chess company was a community for a lot of different reasons, one of them mm -hmm. being sobriety, but the other being all these different people, all these different bands, all these different artists. There were all these different layers to it. 
And I think that, like, because of the expectation that you have to drink to be around people, a lot of sober spaces maybe don't get the opportunity to build all those different layers of community. Exactly. Well, some of it's got to be that fear, you know, like when it is more of like the AA attitude of a sober space, there's that kind of valid fear of like throwing people off of their recovery, which can absolutely happen sometimes. But it's it's really hard unless you have a really cohesive community with, with very similar and secure values. Like it's really hard to sort of like move past that point and say, so we're cool just not talking about this right yeah Mm -hmm. that's a really interesting point matt too because i think that's an important distinction to make with a sober space is whether or not that's actually could be a good thing going forward is even specifying is this a sober space for logistical or completely practical reasons or is this a space where there's a large amount of people in this community that are have like just got their 90 day check yeah, exactly. trying to stay clean. And that's actually really, because yeah. that's something I have been in spaces like that. And if somebody was drinking secretly in a place like that, that would be like grounds to be like, yo dude, like this space is actually really meant not for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But so that's a really, I think that's an important distinction where that yeah. maybe in the future, there will be sober spaces just because, and maybe there will be sober clubhouses for (laughs) refuge yeah maybe do it maybe some using phrase like sober or substance free for places where it's just like versus like if it's for people who are in recovery doing something like recovery friendly Mm. which means like hey like not only are we not doing substances here we don't want you doing substances here because there are people in recovery who are trying to live their lives and not be around that yeah. I think I'm just more hardball about this than everyone else. Where it's like, well, if we're saying it's a sober space, like just have it be a sober space. Like it shouldn't be that freaking complicated, but it is. It is, yeah. Cause I think because like we were we were talking about this. I mean, we've been talking about it like for the past hour, really, which is just like being sober, not using drugs, it's not a monolith. There's no one way to do it. And because of mm-hmm. that, there's no one there's no one way to run a sober space. You ha- it has to address people's needs and their wants and their desires and, you know, like their relationship to drugs and their relationship to music. It mm. somehow still be sustainable. Yep. Yeah. It's like intersectional <laughs> sobriety. Intersectional sobriety. Is that what you said? Yeah. I love that. Yes. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that, but unironically. <laughs> there's your episode title. I love that's it. That's a pretty good one. Uh, Going back to what Matt had said back when we first started about there being sort of a dogmatic stigmatization or a dogmatic approach to running sober spaces, like, do you think the question is for all of you, but Matt, since what you were just saying about like the AA thing, do you think that there is a necessary dogmatism to the spaces that are run with recovery more in mind? I don't know. I mean, personally, like, I think in the early stages, at least for me, like the early stages of getting sober, I needed a little bit of that dogma just to push back, like just because so much of my life had been this kind of weird, like free flowing nebulous thing of just like, I'm fucked up 24 seven. And now I'm not what the hell I needed, like stuff to grab onto. And I needed like a kind of a cross to bear in order to just feel like I was getting through something. So it was helpful to me to be in situations that were not, maybe not dogmatic, but were kind of unified under that same, that same ethos. Yeah. But I remember actually talking to Brian about this one time at a gig, just about like you were saying, like, you know, it you stop needing that and it stops feeling like a 
thing that you even really give a shit about at a certain point, like a couple of years and you just kind of like exist. And I have totally felt that too, but Mm -hmm. I needed that then, you know, like it recently kind of hit a point where I was like, yeah, whatever. Now I'm just honestly bored by it. Like when people get really, really fucked up, I just get bored because they can't string together a fucking sentence or drive anywhere. But that's kind of the extent of it. So I think it's a little bit of both, but it depends on people's recovery and it depends on where they are in it. Yeah. What that community needs, you know, time's really important because when you are somebody with one month sober, fresh off the streets, what you essentially are is somebody who is recovering from serious trauma and you have no tools to do that. So when somebody comes up to you and says, you know, gives you a literal book with like actual laid out steps on what to do that are not nuanced, completely black and white steps. That's helpful when you are somebody freshly out of the battlefield. But when you have 10 years sober or even Mm -hmm. three years sober, it's a lot different. Now you need nuance. Mm -hmm. Now we need more layers to this shit other than if you drink, you will die. Pray every morning. (laughs) Yeah, You know what I mean? That's not going to help you when you're in that deep. Well, you talk about it too. Like um, it's in a lot of ways getting over a trauma. Yeah. Um, getting sober and that's totally totally true but I don't know if we can talk about this or if we should there's a lot of people myself included I am terrified of drunk people weird because I was drunk a lot and sober I'm legitimately scared of them in some ways yeah the only time I've ever felt at risk is at the hands of drunk people yeah so there's a lot of people who don't want to have to socialize with drunk people in that troll two thread yesterday I almost said something about that I I might have I might have mentioned it just glibly, but um, yeah, there there's something about like you sense that your boundaries won't be respected. There's something mm-hmm. about like so, yep. you know, someone else's inhibitions are lowered too much that you can't trust that you are safe around them. Exactly, hundred percent. I played a gig at a bar, and when I was loading out uh, all my stuff, I had a drunk guy come up to me. And he fucking swore that my car was his car, which was <laughs> which is funny. Which is which is funny now, except the dude was like around like maybe six and a half feet tall, big fucking yeah. Boston guy. Um, and I'm just like, and I'm just like, oh cool, this motherfucker wants to give me a hard time, <laughs> and the cops might not be on my side. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> If you've ever had to try and reason with someone who is way past reason, that is a terrifying experience. Mm. Yeah, and it's terrifying, too, because in those moments, and this is my biggest thing, and I didn't want to get into it too much, is in those moments, their bad behavior is immediately justified. Yup. Right. 100%. 100%. 100%. Like, you could complain to someone, someone just struggling, oh, they were drunk. That's not who they are. It's like, but they still hurt me. If, al- if we're going off the argument that alcohol lowers inhibitions, by the way, then arguably, no, it that that is 100% who they are. That is exactly, exactly who they are. <laughs> that is exactly who they are. Right, yep. right. It lowers social restraint, and therefore, this is not them at their social best. This is them at their authentic <laughs> pre- primal self. <laughs> you want to talk about authenticity? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Oh, shit. So yeah, and that way, I guess there is a lot more accountability and a lot more like expectation that people will be respectful of your boundaries and be respectful of, uh, yep. uh there's just more polity, you know? Yep. Yeah. Cause there has to be. Yeah. 
Well, that's probably a really shitty reason why sober spaces are hard to push into the mainstream. Yeah. You know, it's because there's a lot of people who are pieces <laughs> who of shit. Who don't want to be accountable. Who want to, after work, <laughs> stop being good people. 100%. <laughs> or at least they want to stop having to be. Like, they want that little gray area of, like, I can get fucked up and who knows? I was just drunk. It's like, yep. Jesus, Dude, I man. mean, like, they're, they're, like, when to go to a very dark place with that. Let's you do know, it. The Middle East was accused of being a place where of uh, where sexual harassment was a thing, which mm. is true. That was very much a thing that happened there frequently. And, uh, yeah, there were a lot of people, not just people who went to shows, but, like, people in the local industry who were complaining about, like, oh, you can't get away with anything these days. Oh, that's my <laughs> least favorite thing. Yeah, yeah. And, it's just like, and it's just like, yeah, there, that is... So, Matt, you are 100% right. There are it's a like, lot of people... There are people. There are people who don't want sober space is because they're scared it would shine a light on their behavior. Yep. Yeah, it's that's insane to me, but I think that's probably a large part of it for a lot of people is that yep. they exist, their best life is lived in that gray area, and that's terrifying. And that's, again, a separate issue than sober spaces. That's a complete them problem. That is arguably, like, living in that gray area, I think is, like, it's not only... Not only is it not a reason that I think sober spaces have trouble finding acceptance, I would argue it's the foundation of drinking culture. I think a big part of the reason that people love getting drunk, besides the fact that, you know, it feels good, is because it's like, yeah, I get to live in this gray area and do shit. Like, you, um, especially you talk about, like, people who, like, they revel in being able to, like, drive drunk. It's just like, yeah, I can parallel, uh, like, park perfectly when I've had 10 beers. Um, or it's like, yeah, I groped somebody or I felt somebody up while I was drunk and they didn't even notice. Um, where they didn't say anything. You know, it's just like, a lot of people not only, not only is, like, drinking the only way they know how to be around people, they love being around people while they're drunk because they get that because they get that buy. Mm. Yep. Well, even being a bad person aside, like the idea of just cutting loose and going insane, like exactly. you're not necessarily exactly. harming anybody, you're not necessarily encroaching on anybody's boundaries, but you're pissing off a rooftop or something. Like people kind of forget, like it took me a, like a first year or so I was sober, I was pretty like trying to be as straight-laced as I could about things, but then it kind of dawned on me at some point like you don't need to be fucked up to just do stuff like you can the only difference is you have a conscience and you remember it but that's kind of the only thing that changes i've done most of the the most fucked up situations i've been in have been while i'm sober with sober people (laughs) the difference is just that like i have no risk of hurting anyone with that accidentally because i'm like oh i wonder if there's gonna hurt somebody but past that point it's like screw it i'm gonna jump off of this thing or i'm gonna drive down it's like you can do those things and not be fucked up yeah, that's really important advice, too, about recovery that a lot of people or being sober that a lot of people get tripped up on as they think shit won't be fun anymore if they get clean. But yeah, yeah. I've been sober now literally for eight years. Oh, and yeah. I do literally psychotic shit all the time. <laughs> Skateboard, I, I, I jump off of fucking ledges like yep. I make art like I... Like I'm still uh, I'm sexually active. Like I have tons of friends. Like I play in a band. Like my life's great. I'm having tons of fun, and I don't do drugs and I don't drink. Yeah. Like I'm not like I don't like wear polo shirts and like. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like my life. There was I'm, I'm so feeling, many times I was entering the chess company to just you and Justin randomly screaming in separate corners of the studio space, doing whatever the hell crosses your brain. Sure. Yeah. I'm saying. 
(laughs) (laughs) And that's like, that's why I think it's almost a shame to put any kind of cohesive ideology on the idea of a sober space is because it's just, you're not drinking. You can do anything else. It's just like you mentioned, Brian, like if the cops come, whatever, Mm -hmm. basically, or like if you're, you know, you're going to remember doing this, you know, there's all these things that are still going to be intact that are still going to be there. Like it's different from being fucked up and just doing whatever, but like you can still decide I'm going to just drive to California right now. Like you can still be insane. Basically you can still cut loose with people Yeah, and it's, but they have this connotation of being these like studious little alcoves that people go into and all talk quietly about how they don't yeah, do anything anymore. And Karl Marx and, yeah, yeah, and some of them absolutely are that, but I've been to way more that aren't. Yep. I would also argue if you want to talk about like studious, studious little alcoves, like have you seen philosophy college philosophy majors get drunk together? because that's what they'll do (laughs) it's like there's it's like on top of all the other bullshit that we were talking about there's like alcohol and morality has a very 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 weird relationship yeah yeah what an odd thing yeah life's better too when when you're doing if you if you live a wild life and you do crazy shit and you're sober like matt said like you get to remember it too you're not like i don't know like because like when i wake up after a crazy fucked up night i remember it all everything i did was on purpose nothing mm. horrible happened i didn't like like get in a fist fight with my friend mm. like i just had fun did crazy shit yeah and if you, you know? do and if you do something that you regret you're just like oh yeah i do have to take accountability for this like i know who to <laughs> apologize to I didn't like lose my phone and like wake up with one shoe. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I, it's like, I, and you like, you're not, it's like, you're not going to give yourself any easy excuses. Like, yeah. Yeah. You're living life for real. Like you're, you like one thing a lot of people say all the time in recovery is life on life's terms. Yeah. 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 Like, Nowhere to hide. And it's better that way. It's, it, it builds strength and character and you know, like you, you're not fucking pretending and, and living living inside a, a life and a body that isn't even yours. Yeah. Mm. You know? And at the end of the day, if people don't want to live their life like that, that's whatever, that's valid. But there should be places where you're able to. Like, that shouldn't be criminalized. You know, there should be able to be a space where you can go and do that as a community thing. Yeah, like a sober space. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Good idea. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> No, that's what I mean, though. Like, they should exist just for that yeah. reason alone. Yeah. Like, no one yeah, should be right. able to, to condemn them too harshly just because, like, it's such a blank slate of an idea. Like, there's almost nothing to disagree with. Really what you're saying, Matt, is that you are a snowflake and you need yeah. a special place. <laughs> well, wait till we do our Second Amendment episode. <laughs> <laughs> Something, something identifying as an Apache attack helicopter. <laughs> well, I was just going to bring up, uh, it's interesting that you said snowflake. Um, I was just going to bring up, like, do you think the reason some people are, are not, I won't say opposed, but like not inclined to attend sober spaces is because there's like a real innocence factor to them. Uh, when you're talking about like, like Brian and Justin yelling at each other at the puzzle factory. And like, it just, it brought back memories of like being in youth group before the pastor showed up. 
<laughs> like, like unsupervised children in a way, but we're not talking about children. And so like, like we're, we're talking about a, a, adults who just like feel the freedom to be wild and crazy with each other and, and whatever, but like without alcohol involved. And do you think that like sober spaces are infantilized in a way? 100%. Or do you think that like there is an, an innocence or a purity factor associated with them where it's like, well, it's not very adult to not drink? Oh, 100%. Yep. Yeah. You people call like a non-alcoholic drink a mocktail. Yeah, yeah. Or a virgin. Or a virgin, y'all. Literally. Virgin Hey, it literally innocence. Yeah, and I think there's there's a lot to that kind of pasture like that hasn't shown up yet. Well, I forget the analogy you used, but something I used to think a lot about the Puzzle Factory and the chess company was that it reminded me of being in a program or like, a you know, a mental health detox or psych ward or whatever in a program where there's no staff. Yeah. Where it's like, you're just fucking <laughs> around and doing stupid, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think there's a lot of agency to that, like you're like in, in a way, and there's a lot of power to that because so much mental health shit, mental illness stuff, mental health awareness, mental health spaces is so fucking sterile and, and, and white mm. coats and blue fucking painted walls. And it's not like, why aren't there spaces where you can be, uh, a mentally ill person or whatever and it it's not like everyone's staring at you holding clipboards right. like you get to just be a fucking person that's there and no like it's not weird it's not uh, there's no emphasis on it like it's just you're not hiding and you're not some like creepy focal point and that was like the thing too like you said you were there with no staff like when we were in the space together we were never like oh are you still sober are you still sober it's just like we just assume everyone has their shit and we're just doing our own thing yeah i know yeah like we're not supervising each other we're just coexisting exactly because that's that's something that was really important to me a lot of time on my mental health journey and my recovery journey too is it's not i don't want to be somebody's responsibility i don't want yeah. people that help me all the time i don't need a, a mentor or a or a or I'm not a ward, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I don't need a, a whatever, or a, I'm a guardian, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's been one of my biggest chips I've had on my shoulder is the need for independence. So like, I've gotten to a point in my life, I don't even like telling people I'm in recovery. I just like to be somebody that doesn't use drugs. Yep. And, and it's none of their fucking business why I decided not to fucking do drugs anymore. I hate you know? when people ask why. Yeah, and it's like because yeah. I don't want to be. You should not have to fucking justify it. It is such yeah. bullshit. And I don't, I don't like people looking at me and and like thinking they have to check up on me because they're worried I'm going to go missing. It's mm-hmm. like, dude, I'm I'm fucking I'm independent. Like I'm I'm gonna fucking figure it out. And I'm at a place in my life where if I did need help or I did need help in my recovery, I also know where to go. Yep. Mm-hmm. You want people. You want people to be yeah. your friend, not to be your mom. Yeah. 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 And that's the thing is like a friend will support you. A friend will call you on your shit, but they'll also treat you like an equal. Yeah, for sure. Like that's getting into like the other end of that. That's why I don't like using the word sober to describe what I do, because I'm just like, no, 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 I'm, I'm not in recovery. It's like, I don't want you to pity me. I don't want you to think that you have to check up on me. Yeah. I want you to check on your friend who's struggling. If I'm yeah. struggling, I will tell you and I will ask for your help. Yeah. But like, you don't want to have to like explain your trauma to justify it. 
to other people. Right. It's bullshit. Yeah. And the few times that I've used that word to describe my situation, like I've, you know, gotten the like, oh, really? Response from people. And I'm like, oh, no, not not, not that kind of sober. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, why why put myself in the position to have to clarify it anymore? Yeah. yeah. It's like, why should you have to clarify? Yeah, no, no one should <laughs> well, have that to clarify. Too. It's just a, like, I'm sober, period. Yeah. Even just like something like, I don't drink. Yep. There's, um, <laughs> and yeah. there's, like getting into, um, like areas where it's like even more consequences beyond recovery. I posted about the, um, talking about this on Facebook a while ago, actually, like very much about just like, hey, you shouldn't, if someone doesn't drink, they shouldn't have to justify that. They don't owe anybody an explanation. And I had a couple of female friends who were just like, yep, hard agree with this. I got offered drinks when I was pregnant and I didn't want to have to tell people that I was pregnant. Because it was like, you know, like, you know, wow. And it, was, and it was just like, yeah, there's a lot of reasons why people don't drink. They shouldn't have to justify it to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like I've had people offer me pizza and I didn't really want I didn't want it because I get sick when I eat cheese. Yeah. But, yep. And people just like, oh, you don't want pizza? That's cool. Be like, dude, actually, are you okay? I noticed that you didn't get a, a slice of the Domino's earlier. Are, are you sure? Like, is, has everything been going all right for you? Listen, you know you can talk to me. If you need any 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 lactate pills. Um, I, I was just saying, I feel like when people ask why, there's like a morbid curiosity. Like, they want the gritty story. It's like, okay, you yeah. want the story of me, like, right. wanting to jump off yeah. a cliff or like what? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's also the stereotype, too, of the, like, the Boston Irish in recovery guy who yeah. is, like, who is a motivational speaker in casual conversations and who's <laughs> always telling, like, yeah, dude, like, I was fucking lost and fucked up and, like, no, I'm fucking, like, grace of God, like, <laughs> you know, like, standing on a, on a fucking platform, like, you know spreading the good word <laughs> yeah so i think some people expect that sometimes they, they want they want yeah people very much <laughs> want love more, those guys yeah they love well they, they love the morbid story it's like it's gotten to the point where like my current explanation for like why i don't drink it's just like well i take prozac and if i take prozac and drink i'll die right <laughs> because like i just yeah. want to shut the conversation down i'm yeah. an asshole i've gotten to the point where i just don't care anymore if people ask me why i don't drink it's like well when i drink i try to fling myself off of balconies <laughs> yep <laughs> because they want that because they want that story they want that itch yeah. to be scratched but then if it's boring they kind of call bullshit on the sobriety yep. like if it's just like oh i don't want to or if it's oh it interacts poorly with my meds or something exactly then they're like all right so you could have like one or come on and they go back to that and it's like jesus yep. <laughs> like it either needs to be a horror show or it needs to be you're just getting hammered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But either way, you're putting the ball in their court. So my biggest, like, least favorite thing I've ever heard, and I hear it a lot, when I told some of my family that I was getting sober, it's like, well, you're going to have, like, one. It's, like, moderation. It's like, well, why the fuck didn't I figure that out? <laughs> moderation. Oh, my God. Cutting back? Dude, I think I'm going to try that right now. <laughs> I'm going to the liquor store to try this moderate. <laughs> go to the liquor store buy 12 handles of Jack to try this moderation yeah. thing. That's thanks, what I'm going to do. For the, thanks for the tip. And it's so like genuine and like well-meaning. Like they don't understand. They don't. How foolish that is. <laughs> 
I like this uh, this pizza analogy of Brian's. Yes. And, and here's why. I have a special reason why. So I've been in this situation countless times where, you know, there's a live event that I'm doing sound for and they buy like a bunch of pizza for all the staff and nothing else. And like, don't give you alternate options to, to order or anything. It's just like some, uh, eventually like 12 pizzas show up and you're like, oh, this is lunch. Well, I'm lactose intolerant yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I don't have like easy access to lactate right now. Cause I'm at work and I didn't think I would need it. Right. And, you know, so, um, I'm going to have to like take a lunch break and go, you know, drive 10 minutes down the road and not be attentive to the show that we're producing right now. And, you know, so it's this big to do and it's like, okay, all the people of whom it is assumed that they can indulge in this kind of meal, uh, they're taken care of. Mm-hmm. And what well, about the people with dietary restrictions? And what about like, you know, if you're also gluten free or something like that, like, okay, it would have been nice to be asked, like, can we take care of you in another way? And like, shouldn't we expect the same? Like, I should expect that of my employer, I think, but they never live up to that. And shouldn't we expect that of society in general? Like, shouldn't we expect that there will be other alternatives offered to us um, so that we can be nourished, not only literally, but socially as well? Yeah. And, you know, so I like that analogy because it's really, you know, if you can't partake in a certain thing, but that thing is meant to be in some way enriching. Yeah. Then shouldn't there be a logical, logistical alternative? Cheese is really good example. This is, this is really yeah. good. <laughs> that's really interesting. Yeah. No, I think that's probably like the nail on the head. Yeah. Like you just kind of covered like the yeah, conclusion. We, of this we just got to get, we, we got to get a domino sponsorship. That's oh, it. No. <laughs> yeah. So I just mean like, yeah, the idea is that a sober space is just, another way of getting the socialization that you need if you can't get it in other valid ways. Yeah. But that's it. Done. <laughs> Done. Yeah. So I definitely think the future holds. I, I think, I think that may, there may be a time in the future where our version of sober spaces is considered humble beginnings of, of maybe what it will become that, you know, there probably will be more options and I don't know. I hope so. I really do. And I think in terms and to compare it to folk music, I feel like every movement idea or new thing, they eventually might explode into popular things. But in the beginnings of everything, they're just kind of lame, you know, random things that nobody really knows about yet. Yeah. Yeah. And then they become important. Well, let's do a round table of plugs. Brian, what do you got going on? Uh, well, right now, I actually have started a new podcast with uh, a close collaborator of mine, Theo Earthworms. We're called the Boston Art Podcast, and it's literally about art in Boston. I also have uh, been making a lot of time-lapse art videos on TikTok. So if you're on TikTok, come through. It's a great time. But uh, other than that, you know, just taking it easy, living the... Uh, the solitary city life, skateboarding and braving the cold every day. Is your handle Brian Huntress on everything? Yeah. Okay. Who wants to go next? Uh, I'll go. Um, so um, my music is on all the things, Spotify, Apple Music, etc. I just put out a single called If I Were a Dog. There's a really cute music video for it that's made up of cell phone footage of people's dogs. 
Uh, I think I think it came <laughs> out early. It's really adorable. <laughs> no, there's like a there's a there's a dog that I think is like some kind of greyhound mix, like leaping to catch a frisbee all Matrix style. It's great. Um, <laughs> so you can find that there, and you can find me Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Critique Music. That's my handle. And uh, yeah, I've got some new music coming out at the end of March too. So awesome! Yeah, excited. Devry. Um, so I have a fiber arts business called So Something Fibers, where I do kind of original work or custom work. Um, it's on a deeply neglected Facebook page and Instagram <laughs> called So Something Fibers. <laughs> and I've been working for ships. So if you need to groceries, uh, hit me up. <laughs> hey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, thank you, uh, Joel and Matt, for having us. This is this has been a yeah, this wonderful, really wonderful yeah. oh, our pleasure. Yeah. I had a blast. This is a great conversation. Yeah, this is a lot yeah. of fun. Thank you. It yeah. made me really, really miss uh, the 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 outside cigarette talks. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I've had yeah. conversations like this so many times, and they've never been recorded. I know. Yeah. I've, when we've been talking about like live stream stuff, I keep saying like. Is it really a show if I don't get to talk to Huntress and Minigel in the parking lot till 2 a.m.? <laughs> I don't want to do live streams. <laughs> Soon enough. Soon oh my god, enough. you guys should do um, not a live stream, but if you recorded yourself just outside a show talking like in smoking or something. That would be, be such so cool. a good podcast in the future where it's only recorded at the door of the venue. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cigarette breaks the podcast. Yes, oh. sick, but it's recorded honestly. in like five minute increments, like as long as the cigarette break lasts. Yep. Yeah. You just record. It could be a, a black market in between therapy sets. spinoff for the future. Yeah. Post pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> well, like thank you that. so much, everybody. This was an awesome, an awesome time yeah. sitting down. What a blast. Yeah. It's good to see everyone too and know that you guys are alive and well and, you know, Yeah, you in. too. Fucking yeah. really. <laughs> See you in a year or so? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Seriously. <laughs> and that's our show. Thank you to our panel of guests for helping us sort through the complexities of this topic. If you like what you've heard from them in the past few episodes, please find them on social media and show them some support. We'll be back in two weeks for an April Fool's Day special with our guest Amber Tortorelli explaining the archetype of the fool and the societal, historical, and theatrical implications of that archetype. As always, Black Market Therapy is a Dead and Mellow production, and if you'd like to support the show, you can follow us and Dead and Mellow Records on social media. Until next time.